0: We cannot get away from the conversation right now of how desperately parents, teachers, clinicians are seeing the situation around online behavior, children, but and adults. Like, like, like let's huh. let's not just make this about what we're dealing with with kids. My guest today is Kath Nibbs and I met her recently Uh, on a summit about raising kids in a technical world. And she has it dialed. She has the understanding. She has the the knowledge. Uh, She's got degrees in adult and child psychotherapy. I'm going to let Kath tell you about the 12 plates she has spinning, the 19 fires she has burning, and all the pots she has cooking. But I had to bring Kath on to be on and Back because when we were talking on this summit together... I felt like parents needed to hear what she had to say about why online behavior is the way it is. Thank you for joining me. My name is Aaron Huey. I'll be your host for this week's episode of Beyond Risk and Back and all episodes of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you for joining me on my show. And my guest today is Kath Nibbs. Kath, thank you so much for participating in this. My parents need to hear from you.
1: I mean, thank you for inviting me. And I will just say that on that summer I was enthralled and taken in by you and your energy as well. So there's there's something about recording in progress. There's 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 a little bit about um I I was a little bit of a fangirl at some of your metaphors and oh. so on. So it was it was reciprocated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh I let's let's jump right in because you when you were talking on the summit about raising children in a technical world you had a technical not just a human behavior understanding through your your psychology training and schooling but you have a technical understanding of how online behavior works how come you have all these understandings please describe for us nine of the 18 soups you have cooking on your stove
1: okay Okay, so I I think I might, I often say I'm privileged. Uh, I'm not, I've worked really, really hard actually. But I am privileged that uh, my background is, so I'm qualified by trade as a mechanical, electrical and electronic engineer, where I was the first woman to do my trade in the armed forces in the United Kingdom. And when I left the army, I went into uh, computing, IT. um, So I've worked with people at the front end in terms of helping them turn their computer on, back on again, helping them work out how, why their email isn't working, all the way through to um, then working for a company where I'd go out and I would help exchange equipment, help um, you know people working in the banks sort out their computer, their software, their hardware. Um, so I've been in and around kind of cybersecurity, technical uh, areas. I've sat with people who design computer programs, And then, you know, I I decided I was going to leave it all and go and start a psychology degree. I had two young children at the time. And at the end of the psychology degree, there wasn't enough funding for me to go off and do a master's in cognitive neuroscience. So I went back into um, computers and I ended up working for a company. Well, two companies at the same time where it was uh, working with gaming industries and I really got to, really to grips with what the gaming companies were designing at the, same, at the time, and my knowledge of computers and of children was you know fairly, fairly succinct because I've got the psychology, but then I decided I was going to retrain as a therapist. And I actually said to people, I am leaving the world of computing. It saps my soul. I'm going to go and work with people. And at the time, I did a little bit of work in schools, working with young people around relationships, sex education, and I was hearing words, conversations, and of course I'm saying to the young people, well, where, where have you heard that? I know that that's a term that exists on certain websites online. So this is in the early days of um, websites like Full Chan and some of the places you really didn't want your children going, and these were like 11-, 12-, and 13-year-olds. Right. So I started to talk to some of the children, And what I was finding was that they were sharing videos on phones that had something called super Bluetooth. So this was in the early days of Bluetooth. And they would be stood in the playground around one phone, watching videos that were quite macabre, um, involving, you know, beheadings, um, honour killings and, and things like that. And my children were at that kind of age as well. So I started to really look into what are these young people doing what is it that they're sharing? How do they know to go to these places? What's the impact on them? And lo and behold, fast forward over the past decade, I've worked as a practitioner with children who are sexually abused, sexually groomed, um, get into cyberbullying, um, are looking at stuff that they shouldn't be. And in around about 2011 2012, I came up with this phrase, cyber trauma. And ever since then, I've had this real passion about understanding what children are doing but moreover I am really interested in the why 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 are they doing this, what's going on that's leading them to and, and I'm just thinking here in terms of a term you used at the summit why are they engaging in risky behaviour that they may not do in, in the real world Right. so I've, I've tied together interpersonal neurobiology, um, something called the polyvagal theory, attachment theory, uh, you know really tied it all together to try and understand what's going on for young people and Later on this year, twenty twenty one, I've got a book coming out called Children Technology and Healthy Development. Although it's it's relatable to adults. I've got I've got adult vignettes in there about, you know, the behaviors that adults engage in because you're right, it's not just children.
0: So it seems to me that throughout this entire development and, and being fifty one years old, I've seen the internet from six computers in the entire school to everybody has one. Uh, yeah. And I remember the days of typewriters and and punch card computing. But it seems that between then and now, it has gotten as complicated and devious. And I'm looking for... I'm looking for a conversation for these parents to understand the deviant nature of what's taking place online. And I mean, understand it because for all intents and purposes, I would like to say that somewhere under a volcano, a bald evil villain is living, controlling and exposing and traumatizing people to the point that it's going to be really easy to take over the world. All of us knowing that it's not that simplistic, I still have to ask the question, are these video game designers, are these social media designers, are they aware of how their product attracts and controls and harms children?
1: Yes and no. So the yes comes from, yes, because they recruit psychologists, Um, you know, so I will I will say, actually, I've got um, a blog that might be helpful, you know, if people want to read it after this, about kind of the mechanisms that um, people, people such as Tristan Harris, you know, when he created his uh, documentary, The Social Dilemma, one of the things that made The Social Dilemma so popular were the same algorithms and tactics they were talking about that recruited children to the platforms in the first place. Of course. So there was... So it was marketing to get the documentary out there to tell you that there's this Centre for Humane Technology that says that they're trying to prevent this from having up. So there's there's oxymorons all over the place. But essentially, yes, they create the product. No, I don't think they see the long term damage, nor do I think that some of the, you know, the people on their own and when they're sitting around the table, I don't think they understand the long-term impacts, A, because we don't have the research, B, because they're not psychologists themselves, and C, because it's money-making machines, you know, and that's been one of the things, I think, that underpins a lot of the behaviours about the developers, is they they do want to be the most successful people on the planet, and for me, that goes back, and I'm not distance-diagnosing anybody here, but that goes back to why would somebody want to be the President of the United States? Why would somebody want to be the Prime Minister of England? Why would somebody want to be that one person that's both revered and hated at the same time? Well, it goes back to exactly the same reasons as to why children are doing what they're doing in terms of influencers, the way that they contact people online, the way that they engage with conversations. It's because we all have a need, and I'm going to use Dan Siegel's in here, to be seen, sued, safe and secure. And sometimes people can only achieve that through interpersonal relationships. And I think there is such a desire at the moment for everybody to be famous and to be able to have their platform that I think that that's what drives a lot of the behaviors. And of course, that then transitions into the world of business, which transitions into the world of I want to be the most famous, I don't know, platform developer or game developer.
0: Are parents truly aware of how easily it is to uh, have your child exposed to deviant things, ritual killings, animal abuse, uh, sexual no. imagery?
1: No, not at all. Because, and it's not, so it's not a naivety in into or the naivete. Uh, depends on where you come from. How you say that word? <laughs> um, so it's not a naivete of parents. It's because. We, we would rather not think about these things in terms of when, when you walk down the street, you are aware that you've got to stay on, uh, you call them sidewalks over there, but you've got to stay on the pavements because cars can be really dangerous. And we only know that because we have statistics about car accidents, there's the potential to see a car accident, and it's something that appears within the dramas of television. Right. So we, we, we see these um, stories and narratives And they become the things that we educate our children about. Stop at the side of the road, look both ways, wear your seatbelt in the car, you know, don't go off with strangers. And pretty much the world around us is the world that we know and we understand. And many of us don't have a concept about what happens in other cultures. We don't have a concept about what can happen uh, the other side of the world. And we certainly don't have exposure to those thoughts and desires that um people have outside of their own um minds and of course the internet has given us a place a space that now means that any thought that has ever been sunk any desire any fetish any any kind of negative behavior can now have its own space to exist so going back to what you said right right at the beginning Aaron in terms of um those six computers. I, I remember when the internet began. And even when the internet began, you would get those conversations between people that would say, did you know about such and such a website? And, you know, those websites contained images. Um, so these were the, the kind of macabre websites, and they would contain images of car accidents, motorbike accidents, um, Freak things that we are not necessarily exposed to. I think now we get places like Ripley's museums. You know, we get the places where there's the two two-headed snake and so on. And and they are abnormalities. They are the outliers of normative behaviour. But on the internet, the spaces in which uh, darker things can happen are much more prevalent because there's there's the platform and the space. It's it's the ability is is there.
0: Uh, Even one of the executives of Google, Eric Schmidt, he said, the internet is the first thing that humanity has built that humanity doesn't understand the largest experiment in anarchy that we have ever had. And that's, that's such a dichotomous statement because a, everything you're saying every parent knows is out there just in this. And I loved Mm -hmm. your metaphor. We know that road is traffic and, and traffic can be dangerous and road equals traffic equals danger. Look both ways, hold someone's hand. Like we, we have a protocol for teaching children on this yet knowing that, that, and I had a, I had a very dear friend of mine tell me that, that her son was on Reddit and her son is 11 And I had to go to my friend and say, Reddit is not an innocent place. Mm -hmm. And she was very surprised. And this woman is brilliant. She knows. And in fact, she has hyper controls in place to protect her child from the internet. But still, she had missed a glaring portal into the dark world of the internet. and. How have we missed this? Is it are we turning a blind eye, or is there something psychological? Are parents too busy, caught up themselves into the expansive universe that this interweb has created?
1: Oh, I mean, yes. In in short, we all have the magic of the internet dangled in front of us, and we all wandered, we Basically, we followed the witch in the woods. Yeah, we we followed we followed this path, and of course, most most parents are going on um, the, the social media platforms. Right. That's where we all kind of went. We headed down the woods, if you like, down the path to the Facebook. And then we went on to, you know, Instagram and WhatsApp. And what we use it for, we make an assumption that our children will also do. But what children do that's very different to parents is their level of curiosity is exponential. And we know that because, you know, give, give children two minutes in a, in a wood, they will climb trees. They will make a den. They will create spooky stories. And it's that sharing of information that all it needs is a, it's a misconstrued um, uh, conversation that usually results in the child ending up in the places that they do. So when I'm talking to children in therapy, it will be something along the lines of, Why, where, how did you end up there? Well, because somebody said the word, so it might be a younger child, somebody said the word sex on um, Fortnite." So I went and Googled it or they join in a party where they're surrounded by um, over 18s on a, on a game and the adults are talking to other adults and they forget that children are present. And one of the things that we're not very good at is remembering that in a virtual space that when we can't see who's present, that we may need to adapt our behaviours in, in, in light of those people present. So, again, going with a corporeal example, If we were at a wedding, we would be, I don't know, all sitting around a table and if there were children present, many of us would adapt our behaviour to, you know, not swear, not be rowdy, not talk about um, sexual activity in front of the children. And when the children left to go and play outside, then the adults would have an adult conversation. Right. And what, what's happening at the moment is adults are having adult conversations and children are in those spaces. So I usually use the metaphor of a nightclub, that children have got an 18 pass for a nightclub, and we would say, oh, no, you can't go in there because there'll be adult speak, there will be more than likely swearing, drinking, there might be drug taking, there might actually be sexual activity. You know, it's not a place for you. When you get to 18 or 21, yes, you can go in those and areas. And unfortunately, children are wandering around, casinos, um, adult websites, they're wandering around. The equivalent of an 18-plus world as it is here in the United Kingdom. It's an 18-plus world that they are all wandering around and going, oh, my goodness. They hear a word. They go and Google it. They then find a website that's got some information on that they might not understand. So then they go and Google what that information is, and it takes them down another alleyway. And that alleyway leads to another alleyway. And that, that can happen within the space of 20, 30, 40 minutes.
0: Why? I guess this is just the question. I, I, why don't we intervene? Is it really just the money? Look, I, I remember watching a dog abuse video many, many years okay. ago. And they implement the tool that was used to abuse the dog is hanging in my maintenance shed right? I saw this video and I could yeah. not go into my maintenance shed up at my facility without shaking, feeling the pit of my stomach drop, feeling such fury. My eyes would start to water. I was in trauma response and working in, you know, at, at night, the, the image would spin in my head and I wouldn't be able to sleep. And that it started to compromise my daily process. That's trauma response. That's PTSD. Yes, now why can't we see the obviousness of this and look at our children and yank that cord out of the wall for the internet and put it down the garbage disposal and why what is stopping us
1: So uh, in in all fairness Aaron I don't know which is where I'm I'm determined I've got um um and I don't want to say dog-eared kind of dog with a bone um attitude because that's really It really is the thing that I'm angry about. And, you know, I am absolutely pissing people off in this country because what happens is, you know, in the United Kingdom, we've got the online harms bill. So this is a piece of legislation where we're going to now protect children by making sure that they are not exposed to those harms. Right. However, it's not good enough. It doesn't cover the legal... The legal side of information that's being shared so for example if i decided as a um an animal rights service that i wanted to show a video and this is where a lot of the animal abuse videos do get shown by the way it's not necessarily um people carrying out the, the atrocities it can be something like peter you know um what is it uh, prevention against the ethical treatment of animals um so they have regularly created propaganda that is at absolutely horrific right in the hope that if they show that video it will make you get angry it will make you do something and it will stop the abuse of animals and uh, un, yes,
0: under the mantle of awareness building
1: yes yes yeah yes. and that for me there is something about the adults are also creating the traumas that the children are exposed to and the adults are not taking the responsibility to make sure that the the, the act the platforms, everything that they design should be consideration of what would I do if a child saw this? What? How can I protect a child from this behaviour? But also, how can I protect other adults? How can I protect people from being harmed and having trauma responses? Because what, what I've been dealing with, Aaron, and it's the reason why I came up with the, the phrase cyber trauma, is that's exactly what's happening for the children. Yeah. And they are now making statements which make my blood boil, which is, well, you just have to get used to it, Kath. And and I'm saying, no, you do not have to get used to it. This is not, you know, 1900s where we're watching Queen Anne getting her head chopped off. This is a very different time. And we have the technology, we have the grown-ups, and we have the responsibilities to protect children. And we haven't done that. And I think now we are in a very, very sticky mess. Because the environment that we've created is exactly what what you were saying. It's 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 a free-for-all. It's be, I think it's beyond anarchy. I think it's an absolute mess. And we've got no way of mopping it up until the children who are currently about four, five or six begin to start to voice their opinions and, and start to have an outcry and activism, which I am seeing the younger generation are beginning to say, hey, you can't do that. You can't do that with my data. You can't do that with the platforms that I visit. And I don't think it should be up to the children. I think we have the responsibility because we created the space.
0: This is such a conundrum and it shouldn't be. It's such a Uh struggle. And I believe that we are truly struggling because we are struggling and the struggle is empowering itself. But at the end of the day, And I, here's what I want to do. I want to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to start discussing how do we teach children to look both ways before we cross this street into the internet? This is a veil and the veil has been lifted. And the sum totality of knowledge, everybody has the library of Alexandria in their laps, but just like i was in the library when i was 11 12 years old most likely you'll find me at the art section looking at the books with boobs in them but but there's but this isn't boobs anymore this is no. everything and anything and when you have the sum totality of knowledge available why would We limit it. And how can we teach children to walk into the library of Alexandria and be careful? How do we teach them how to be careful crossing the street? So hang on with me just a second. With this and with every episode I do on Beyond Risk and Back, I am always looking to make sure that we provide as much information to parents as possible. I believe having run a treatment center for now 15 years and been doing this type of work with families for 20 years, that we could lessen the need for sending children away to residential programs if everybody would work on what we can lovingly call emotional intelligence. And to do that, to help children We have to help the parents we have to help families help their families because no child is broken but systems break there's a system failure is what we're talking about on every episode of beyond risk and back systemic failure because no child is responsible for the results of their life and no child is choosing to be experiencing what they are experiencing in childhood And so to do that, we have to reach the parents. This is why I created a parent coaching course online so that parents all over the world could get the training and support. This is the same training that I provide my staff members. This is the same training I get hired to teach a room full of therapists. This is the same training that we have employed with the children in our treatment center successfully for 15 plus years. So I want you to have it. But before you do, I want you to try it on. I have a Facebook page called Parenting Teens That Struggle. Very simply that, Parenting Teens That Struggle. There I post videos, I post online information, and I post access there to this online training series. But first go, get as much free information as you can get, get as much support with a community of parents who are going through with what you're going through. Go to Facebook, go to Parenting Teens That Struggle. Let's help each other out. I'm on there All week, every week, talking to parents about the stuff they are going through with their kids. Let's get back to the guests. But remember, parenting teens that struggle on Facebook. I find it amazing that in the middle of talking about how, I mean, I have nine Facebook pages, right? I use Facebook to market my company. I use it out there to help. And I would like to think, I would like to think that I'm using, it's like the force, right? You got to be a Jedi or you got to be a Sith and you got to choose at some point because the force is a neutral energy. So I guess that's the question I want to ask you, Kath, because you've got your your fingers in the pot of, of technology and your fingers in the pot of human psychology. Is Is this internet a neutral entity?
1: Um, No, no, I don't think it is, because um, I I think the way that it was, and and I know that over here I say to people, I think Tim Berners-Lee will be crying in his sleep every single night at the moment. This is not what he intended the internet to be for. However, most, I don't know whether most people know this, but when the intranet was, was first developed, the first image sent was a topless lady. It was a picture of a topless lady. So even or at the outset of sharing information between computers before it became the internet was and I'm not I'm not gonna say they were nerds because that's like a, a term that gets that cool now apparently because that's what I was at school. I was a geek and a nerd. But these these young men that created the intranet actually sent um, nudity for the first conversation. So what, what we have created is a system where 30% of the actual internet is imagery of sexual activity. So 33, 30%. It's, it's around about a third of the internet. So straight away, um, people get, so what, what I generally find with parents is that is they'll say things like, but they're not on the darknet, net cap, cap, you know, like this is a Like the dark net is the space that you go to to find the macabre. And I say, actually, everything that your children can be exposed to is on the internet. And considering that we we see these figures, and to date I still don't know where they've come from, how they appeared, or whether they are actually truthful, because I am a person who goes to source. Um, It's regularly touted at cybersecurity conferences and places like that that 4% of the traffic that actually exists is on the internet. So all of us that are doing our shopping on Amazon, going to Facebook, you know, the four big giants that they've, they, at the conferences suggest that that's 4% of the traffic that goes on the internet. Then there's the deep web and then there's the dark net. And the dark net is supposedly where all of the, obviously, the darker um, illegal activity exists. Well, it's also in that 4%. And realistically, I think what we need to be educating parents in is the 4%. And the 4% is so vast, it makes my head hurt. So when it comes to this advice for parents, and I'm thinking here that this is this is what people will want. So how do I help my child, Kath? How do I have these conversations? Right. I used to say quite, I think... Basically, I was a smart ass and they used to say, well, get tech savvy. You know, it's, it's really easy. Uh, no, it isn't. Not in today's time and date. You know, there's, there's 300 social media apps that are used on a daily basis. There's um, so many other platforms people can use. Plus, there's all the ones that the schools are using. Then there's a video conference. It's just too much. It is absolutely too much. So the principles that I would suggest that parents learn are similar to those that we would learn in the corporeal world. If my child is going to go to little Timmy's down the street, what would I want to put in place to ensure that Timmy was safe, leaving my house, arriving at, uh, leaving, leaving my house and arriving at Timmy's, who's going to be at Timmy's? What are they going to do at Timmy's? What are they going to eat at Timmy's? What time will they come back? Have I got an emergency contact number for Timmy's mum, et etc, et etc, et cetera? Et cetera, et cetera. And those are the kind of parenting behaviours that we all implicitly understand. It's about taking care of our children in a world, as I was saying earlier, that we understand. So if Timmy has to cross five streets, we have conversations about cars can be dangerous, don't talk to strangers, make sure you use um, the systems where the lights are, you know, don't cross in the middle of a busy road, et cetera, et cetera. So when it comes to online behaviour, what we do as children are growing up is we teach them from a very early age. So we say things like, stop at the side of the road. And I used to teach my children um, something very simple, which, which could have been quite a disaster um, given the little story, which was when there's a green man, we can go. So I used to say, green man, go. Red man, stop. And that was how I educated my little boy. And one day he'd been shopping with my father, And they were at a roundabout, and he looked at a set of lights that were off to the right. I said, "Grandad, green man, go. But they weren't the ones specific to him. So my dad then took it to the next level and said, no, 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 always the ones we're looking at, not the ones to the side. So you educate bit by bit by bit, and you do it daily. You You don't ever educate your children how to cross the road once and once only. You do it repeatedly. So with a lot of the parents, I say read the news, read what's on social media, but take it with a pinch of salt, because usually they are clickbait headlines, they are driven to make you frightened. But try and find out as much as you can about the source of the information that's coming through, because your children do not have the capacity to critically think until they are 12 and over. So parents have to do the critical thinking for their children. And that's That's to do with um, brain development and adolescence and the capacity to actually think about abstract concepts. So under the age of 12, we must do the thinking for the children. That means we need to be having conversations about what's on their phones, what's on their laptops. And we also need to have conversations that we don't allow them at all ever to spend time alone on the computers without us occasionally popping in on a, a bit like, a bit like um, gambling, variable ratios, because what people... So people who are perpetrators of crimes against children rely on consistent parenting techniques. They expect parents to come in at set times. So if we can be the parents who vary the time, you know, at which we just pop our head around the corner, what are you doing? Who are you talking to? What platform are you on? And we need to pay attention to the screen. We need to pay attention to who they're talking to, what they're doing, but without it being massively intrusive. And those conversations happen away from the computer. Those are the conversations we have to and from school or sat in the car going to the supermarket. And they're conversations about, how do you know who's real online? Oh, well, it's it's because they say that they're my friend. Hmm, that's kind of interesting. How do you know what a friend is? What do they have to do? What kind of characteristics? And what we're doing is social education, emotional intelligence education, parenting and communication. And that then allows us to get an understanding of meeting our children where they are and understanding their world. And yes, you know, as as I repeatedly say, listening to the story about Minecraft 57th time that particular day may come across as boring. But actually, you're understanding what your children are doing in terms of the games that they like, the people that they talk to, the parties that they have, whether there's, you know, um, a need for them to play the game because of the social part that's going on at school. So, for example, um, children may go home, play Fortnite with their friends from school, and then the following day, this is obviously pre-COVID or post-COVID, they have a conversation about who was doing what, what skins they had on. What happened when they got to the top of the hill and then that other team came on and, and shot the ball and how they were all very upset, but tonight they're all going to win. So it, it's about, is there camaraderie? Is there connection for your child with other children? Or are they playing alone and playing with people who they don't know? Are they trying to achieve something to be part of a um, part of a group? Are they trying to achieve something to gain mastery over a skill? Are they playing a game to um, understand a new level of cognition? So it's always about communication, communication, communication. And again, take an interest.
0: Is there a particular games or apps that you want to throw the red flag down on the field and just tell parents if your kids are, if you happen to look in the history yeah, of your child's computer or look on your kid's phone, and you see this app or this game, red flag, delete it, stop. They've gone too um, far. And and I and I very quickly want to say that um, if your child is deleting the history, there's your first red flag. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and
1: um, all apps have the potential to be, um, let's say, uh, visited by people with um, vested interests that are not in the best interest of the children. Let's just say that. So one of the things that I would certainly say is if there are apps that allow your children to talk to what, what the children often call randomers. Okay, so a randomer, randomer is anybody okay. on the internet who can be random. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a friend or a friend of a friend. Um, now, some of the apps that are resurfacing, thanks to TikTok, Um, So, TikTok might be one that I would certainly say, please do pay attention. Before Christmas, um, I had to deal with a number of e-safety companies asking for advice about the children that had seen the, the, there was a gentleman who'd ended his life with a shotgun and it was absolutely horrific. I don't need to watch the video. I've been told it's horrific by police officers, therefore that's good enough for me. Right. And I've been told it by children. So, TikTok and these algorithms that have been designed to market a platform are the ones that also can cause the trauma because it's about putting that video up to the top of the the list. Uh, YouTube does this as well. So there was a very well-known YouTuber, um, Logan Paul. I don't know if uh, any parents might know who he was. He decided that um, one afternoon he was going to visit uh, a place known as Suicide Forest, and he filmed the entire event. He has 15 million subscribers, and because he's so famous, the algorithms put him to the top of the, top of the table on that day, so anybody who signed into YouTube had the potential to see that video, which right. included children. Um, so any platform can be uh, an issue. But the platforms where children can talk to a complete stranger, so Amigo or Chat Roulette, those platforms allow you to effectively think of a roulette table. You you know, you spin the roulette table, you do not know what number it's going to land on, and when you land on that number, you are exposed to somebody's webcam anywhere in the world. So as as an example, what I usually do, and I'm not I'm not the greatest fan of Robbie Williams in terms of singing and so on, but he has a video called Losers. And I usually play that video because what he does is as he's miming his song, he sits down on the uh settee sofa, he puts his laptop down, he dials into chat roulette. And the first words out of his mouth before he's even begins to song the sing the lyrics even, so the music starts, he goes, Oh, that was a vagina. And that's immediately as he dialed into chat roulette. And then you see him spinning the roulette and people coming in and out of the chat room. It really does give you an example of how quickly you can see the kind of material that's on there without exposing parents or or people that I'm training to any kind of trauma. Because obviously for him to be able to publicize that video, anything that would have been traumatizing is taken out. Sure. Sure. But he does make a, and the end of the video is the most important part for me. So I'm not going to give the ending away. But it's in essence that those, those could be people, anybody, anybody, 4.8 billion people have access to the internet. You would not allow your child into the town centre with 4.8 billion people without educating them, without having conversations, and certainly maybe without a chaperone.
0: Yeah. I was, as you're saying, you know, education and stuff like that. I was like, I don't think my children are 25 and 26. I don't think I would let them in there without going in with them. And that, that just, yeah. you, you know, I, I'm sure they would both look at me and be like, you have no idea what's out here. We actually have more of an idea than you do, but this is, uh-huh. Kath, how are parents gonna, gonna find you? How can, how can they get in touch with you more and follow up with you? So, um, the book that
1: I have, that's so coming out this year is called children technology and healthy development. So my website is childrenandtech.co.uk. and um, There will be a com. So uh, it's and a N D not the, not the ampersand. Um, I'm on, I'm on Twitter at Nibsy, although I don't use Twitter that much because it's quite a toxic environment. And I, I walk the walk and talk the talk. I don't go where, where there's a lot of toxicity, but yeah. I am on Twitter. Um, I am on Twitter and that's N-I-B-Z-Y. I have a Facebook page called Online Harms, Cyber Trauma and Young People. And I'm on Instagram, although on Instagram I do tend to talk a lot about functional health as well because that's one of the other sure. <clears throat> the other plates that I've been. <laughs> um, but uh, most of the time I think the conversations that I have tend to be, tend to be where I'm sharing research or information tends to be on Twitter or on, on the Facebook page.
0: Give the Facebook page course, again,
1: so it's online harms, cyber trauma, and young people it's yeah, I went with you know all those years ago, I designed a page that was going to be about cyber trauma and so on, and it's not it's not a phrase that's well known again because it's it's a brand new area
0: yeah but i i mean it's it's 100% accurate. I've experienced it. It's yeah. yes. it, it's On more than one occasion. Yeah, it's more than one
1: occasion. So um, the, where we did our summit, I yeah. actually did a talk with john, if you want, I can send you the link. I did a talk with john in 2014. This is how long I've been talking about this, about the day that Facebook decided it was going to start auto playing videos. And that is how I got cyber traumatized in 2014. Yeah because I didn't have a choice, and I'm an adult. This is why I'm so passionate about arguing for the children. I'm an adult, and my physiology was not prepared for what was on my newsfeed. I went to, I went to my newsfeed, as most of us do when we pick up our phones in a uh, socially engaged state. I was calm. I'd, gone to, I'd basically gone to see who was saying what, doing what, what was going on in the world. And I was exposed to a video that was of child abuse, and, um, and 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 it was horrific. And I put a complaint into Facebook, and they said it doesn't go against our community standards because people are berating the abuse of this child, therefore the video stays up. And that that's one of the things. So if people say, oh my God, you know, and and it was a woman who was beating her child, um, and the, the empathy that I had for that child, the anger I had for that child, and that, that instant was phenomenal. And it stayed with me for weeks and weeks and weeks. And the animal abuse ones, Darren, are the ones that are causing the most harm.
0: The I I know people who work, young people who work at Facebook in the departments where they spend all day viewing every video that's been flagged. And I have watched mm-hmm. their psychology change over the years. Yeah. And and they're here to keep us safe. But what people yeah. need to know is that people will put anything up online if it gets them the likes. Like this like culture, this energetic, what, what people believe is a fair value exchange. I'll put anything up there just to be acknowledged that I exist And it does not that the end will justify the means and those thumbs up are guiding some of the most deviant behavior that people would have been imprisoned for and should still be. And now we have to employ rooms full of people to watch the videos and decide whether or not they're go under guidelines. And we still have not, have we actually talked about the children? Have we actually talked about we got to stop doing this. There has to be a thicker wall yep, there has yes. to be a traffic light for the internet
1: Yes, and also there is this thing about um so that this online harms well it's too subjective a term. What we need to look at is trauma because I'll tell you what, if you saw one of these events in the real world, there would be an outcry. We would intervene we'd bring you know. the the care services in, we'd make sure that people were taken to court. We would make sure that people were subjected to just, you know, some sort of, you know, justice in terms of what's happening. But when it's online, what what generally happens is people say, well, it's not the same effect. And what I can tell you from my research is neurobiologically, neurobiologically, it's the same. It's absolutely the same.
0: We have a lot of work to do on this subject. Kath Nibs, thank you so much for your time on Beyond Risk and Back. Please give your Facebook page one more time.
1: Online harms, cyber trauma, and young people.
0: Perfect. Parents, get your support there. My guest today was Kathy Nibbs here on Beyond Risk and Back. We have to, have to, have to pay attention to what's going on online with our kids. Erase their phones. Restore factory settings once a month. I know they're going to hate it. Be that parent who's willing to do that. Erase everything. Tell them that if the phone number is important, they can write it down in a notebook. But be in control of the password Be in control of the administrative password. If there's lying, stealing, sneaking, cheating, or breaking the law going on on the internet in your home, you have to remember you're paying for it. This is something you're providing an environment financially for your child to lie, steal, sneak, cheat, and break the law. Stop making it so individualized that it's gotta be this website versus that website. If there is lying, stealing, sneaking, cheating, or breaking the law, I will no longer be willing to provide internet. And watch how fast your child can find another way to get online. Unfortunately, it is the design of this internet, of your children, of the cell phones. They can find a way to connect. So since connection is so dastardly and deviously important, remember that them connecting with you first is going to be the key to any correction behavior. Connection before correction, alliance before compliance. Keep those terms in your mind. I want to thank Deepen Productions for the production of these podcasts and this awesome music. I also want to thank Your Cause Consulting for making sure that this podcast gets in front of all the right people: parents who need this, parents with teens who are struggling, parents. You know the end. You know the end tagline here. Say it with me if you got to memorize. Take care of yourselves first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because that's the way we do our best work with our children. My guest today was Kath Nibbs. Check her out. Follow her. Pay attention to what she's doing. She's dialed in. I'll see you next week on Beyond Risk and back.